Well, we are focusing on three carols in the run-up to Christmas. And uh, this week we have O Little Town of Bethlehem. And to be honest, my heart sank a little bit when I realised that that was the carol I'd been allocated. Phil got Hark the Herald Angels Sing, a classic in its time. Kirsty got Joy to the World. You know, it's like the, the, every carol service has to end with this carol. It's like Land of Hope and Glory at the end of uh, last night at the proms. I got Little Town of Bethlehem, the runt of the carol litter, if you ask me. Um, am I being harsh on Little Town? I, I'm sure you'll you'll. Let me know. I think, though, that PJ may have had something to do with the allocation of these carols because years ago we were doing a, se a series of preaches on uh, movies and I was doing the preach rotor and I decided that PJ should do The Incredibles, the, uh, uh, the children's movie The Incredibles, and draw spiritual lessons out. Now, in my defence, it seemed a good plan at the time. I agree that the execution of it was slightly more tricky than I had planned. PJ lost about a stone in weight and gained about five years in age as he sweated his, through, his way through this message. So I swear he's had something to do with this moment where I am doing a little town of Bethlehem because he's still going on about it 15 years later. So is O Little Town of Bethlehem the runt of the litter? Is that what it is? And not to be put off, I have dived into this uh, little carol, this cheery little carol, uh, with some gusto and found some interesting things. Do you ever feel out of control? Do you ever feel like uh, this world is getting darker and darker? Do you ever feel like you're, you're a tiny cog in a giant machine that's spinning into madness? Do you ever wonder if peace is going to be restored well, little town of Bethlehem pulls in some ancient truths that speak into every one of those situations. But just for a little backdrop, where was it written? Who wrote it? It was written by a guy called Philip Brooks in the 1860s. He was a priest in a church uh, in Philadelphia, USA. He was inspired by actually visiting Bethlehem itself, which he visited in 1865. Three years later, he wrote this poem. And the organist of the church, Lewis Radner, added to the music. And, and I enjoyed Lewis Radner's recollection of how he wrote the, the, the music. And this is what he said. As Christmas of 1868 approached, Mr. Brooks told me that he had written a simple little carol for the Christmas Sunday school service, and he asked me to write the tune to it. We were to practice it the following Sunday. Mr. Brooks came to me on Friday and said, Radner, have you ground out that music to Little Town of Bethlehem yet? I replied, no, but I'll have it to you by Sunday. On the Saturday night, my brain was confused about the tune. I thought more about my Sunday school lesson than I did about the music, but I was roused from sleep late in the night hearing an angel strain whispering in my ear. I seized a piece of music paper. I jotted down the treble of the tune and as we now have it, and on Sunday morning before going to church, I filled in the harmony. Neither Mr. Brooks nor I had ever thought the carol to the, all the music would live beyond the Christmas of 1868. So there you go. That's how it was come. That's how it came to birth. And it's a nod to worship teams, to musicians, to creatives everywhere. Nothing much has changed since 1868. You are still being asked to produce miracles at the last minute with very little sleep by people who don't know how hard it is or realise what else you've got to do, but still say, can you have it done by tomorrow? And why has it taken you so long? You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, enough of the carol intro. What we're going to do is to find out what truths this carol sucks into it. What truths it proclaims so timelessly. It's got some stuff that will give joy to the world and heart the held angels sing a run for their money. So let's read it, shall we, together and uh, really go into it in detail. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above the deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by. 
Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And gathered all above while mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth and sing praises to the God and King and peace to men on earth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, O bide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. When you read through it like that, some of the things stand out to you in a way that perhaps they don't as we just sing through it in a carol service. And just a few themes that stood out to me, there's so much in there. The first would be this, the significant comes from the insignificant. It starts with this place, O little town of Bethlehem. If you think about the day uh, uh, of, the, of the nativity story, the, the great cities, the Cairo, the Athens, the Rome, the Alexandria, these massive giant metropolises, and yet the Lord decided to manifest, to incarnate himself in Bethlehem, a tiny, insignificant town in a tiny, insignificant pro- uh, province. Just as Micah had prophesied hundreds of years earlier in Micah 5.2, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you. People have always been drawn to the loud, to the impressive, but this demonstrates to us again that God is humble and that he chooses and even delights to work in the insignificant, in the small, in the places that are overlooked, God chooses to come. Ever felt like you're insignificant? Ever felt like you've been overlooked? Then get ready, because Christ Jesus comes to those kind of places and those kinds of people. I mean, even think about the, the people in this nativity story that inhabited this insignificant town, the shepherds, the innkeeper, even Mary and Joseph. Think about it. These people have become some of the most famous people in history, more famous than any superstar who's alive today. These people are more famous than any of them, and yet they came from this insignificant place. Why? Because they responded to God in faith. They partnered with kingdom activity and this kingdom always starts like a seed, small and insignificant and yet grows and grows and grows to fill the earth. You might feel like you've got little to contribute but what if you partnered your little with God's mighty hand? Suddenly endless opportunities open up. This is the day I believe, of the small becoming great. I mean, think about Airbnb. I was reading about Airbnb this week. It was created less than 12 years ago, yet by October 2019, two million people were staying in Airbnb every single night. It is now bigger than the top 10 hotel chains in the world combined. It's got a market capital of 26 billion. Something different is happening in our day where the small becomes 
great. I talked with uh, a guy called Victor John this week. I mean, it was just such an honour to get a chance to talk with him for an hour. He's got a book about his life called Bojapuri Breakthrough. 20 years ago, he and another guy began seeking God for their region of northern India. He began praying and asking God for a breakthrough. And God gave them a strategy. And today, there are now 25 million people in their movement as they've seen multiplying churches create multiplying churches, disciples creating disciples. It is just a modern phenomenon. I believe the next decade is not the decade of the big, but the decade of the small. It's the decade of the insignificant. It's the decade of the things that people overlooked becoming great as people of God partner with God and what he's wanting to do on the planet. What about you? What about you? Do you have faith for the insignificant to become significant when God gets hold of it? That's the the foundation of this carol, Little Town of Bethlehem. The second thing is this, the light shines in the darkness. The carol says this, in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and dreams of all the years are met in thee tonight. I stayed with Caroline's family one time. uh, We went to stay in the woods in, in the mountains in Tennessee. And uh, while we were staying there, I decided to take my nephew, uh, my, uh, Caroline's brother, sorry, uh, on a walk in the woods. And he was about 13 or 14 at the time. And we walked up the mountain. And uh, I was obviously the responsible adult. It was snowy. It was cold. It was December. It was awesome. It was amazing. Well, as we were walking up, he suddenly says, how are we going to find our way back to the cabin? Ooh, good thought. I'm meant to be the responsible adult here. I know what we'll do. We'll snap branches on the trees and then we'll just follow the broken branches home. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you have any idea how many trees have broken branches in woods? The answer is a lot. There was just no way we were going to follow that path home. There was just no way at all. So as we began descending, the panic started to rise. As I began to realise, oh my gosh, if we overshoot this cabin or miss this cabin, we are heading down into a valley with literally thousands of acres of woodland. And it's the middle of December I don't know what's going to happen. Either panic began to rise and then suddenly there's a light. Is that a light? It is a light. It's the cabin. <laughs> we made it. You know, there's something far greater than a, a walk in the woods that inspired this carol. John, 18, John 8 verse 12 says this. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This world is filled with darkness, with brokenness, with shame. Do you ever feel like you are lost in the woods of light, of life, that the, the light is fading, <laughs> that you don't know where you are or where you're going, and then you see a light? Is that a light? Well, the carol says it's not just a light. It is the eternal light. That's what John 8 says. Jesus says, I am the light. I'm not just a light. He's not just someone who kind of hands you a torch and says, right, off you go into the darkness. He says, no, follow me. I am the light. Follow me. Step into my footsteps of light and I will lead you through and out of this darkness. This is the message of the carol. This is the message of the scripture that Christ is the only true eternal light. He is the penetrating light that warms, that comforts, that brings hope, that brings life, that brings us out of darkness, the darkness within and the darkness without into a new place of eternity. 
He says, come follow me. Come place your footsteps in my footsteps of light. I prayed with a, a young man racked with guilt over how he'd been treating his wife and his kids. He came into the light of Christ. He found forgiveness. He found freedom from the guilt and the shame. He was able to go back into his home offering hope and restoration. I prayed with a young woman racked with shame over the things that have been done with her. She came into the light of Christ and found a new person who would love her just as she was, who would find help her to forgive and help her to forgive uh, those who had hurt her and help her to walk into life again. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here's this message, the message of this carol. A light, the light of Christ has shone in the darkness so come out of the, that, come out of the darkness. Step into his light. Step away from the shame and the darkness and the guilt that you're carrying him. Will you respond to him? Maybe you're already a Christian, but maybe you've realized you've been slipping back into darkness. The shame, perhaps it was one thing and now it's another, and the shame is starting to build up again. And the message of this carol, this simple carol this Christmas is this. Will you step back towards the light? Will you come to the light of Christ? Will you let him penetrate your heart? Will you begin to follow him again? Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. You've never chosen to follow him. This message is for you. Maybe you felt, well, I'm not good enough. There's too much stuff. I've too much damage, too much water under the bridge. Well, the message of this carol, the message of the scriptures is this. Christ came for people like you and like me who feel lost in the darkness he didn't come for those who think they don't need a light. He came for the ones who know they need a light. And if that's you, then this Christmas, the message for you is come into his light. And the fourth thing, the third thing, sorry, is this. Peace comes into turmoil. Here's, here's the third theme I want to pick out. And praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. You could be forgiven to, for looking at the world around and saying, well, you know, Philip, <laughs> not much has changed since 1868. In fact, I think it's got worse. You know, where is this promised peace that was promised 2,000 years ago? Greek, things do not look great. The noise of the world, the, the, the crowding out, the, the increase in violence and despair. It doesn't feel like there's so much peace in the world. The line from the carol, peace to men on earth, stands out like a cockroach on a wedding cake. You know, it doesn't look like it fits. And yet, the noise of life may make it difficult to find peace on the outside. But this is what Jesus promises, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give it as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the message that the carol picks out, that Jesus himself says, I am giving you my peace. Jesus' peace will not make all of your problems disappear. It won't let all the world's wars fade immediately. But what he's saying is he has sown the seeds of peace that come from within himself. He has sown the seeds of peace that bring peace that will ultimately fill the entire earth. It's the peace of right relationship with God. No longer feeling, will God accept me? Can I even know him? Is he out there even? It's the peace that knows God has welcomed me. God has searched for me. God has found me. 
It's the peace that stills the anxious drive to be accepted because you're now accepted by God himself in Christ. It's the peace that silences the guilty conscience of regret because you know that your sins are forgiven. The carol brings that out again and again, that you can know forgiveness of your sin, that you can know that guilty conscience that you've tried to justify and tried to push down and tried to think, well, surely everyone does it, but you know deep down that so what if everyone does it? you're still guilty, that voice can finally be put at rest because you can know peace with God and forgiveness through Christ. It's the peace that brings comfort to the lonely and hope to the fearful. It's the peace that dissipates anger. It's the peace that brings calm to the volatile. It's Jesus' peace and it's knowing that Jesus is waiting to bring you into that eternal place, that eternal place of peace where there'll be no more noise from the world around us. Jesus promises, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do you have that peace going into 2021? I tell you what, in this year coming up, we are going to need peace, I believe, like we've never known it before. Because peace may be taken from the outside. It's going to be all the more important that as followers of Jesus, we dig deep and find that peace that comes from the inside, that peace that only Jesus offers, that peace that enables us to go through the troubles of this life. That's been my joy over years of traveling and ministering in the developing world and ministering into areas where Christians are persecuted. I have seen that even in the most extreme situations, the peace of Christ stands true. The peace of Christ guards people's hearts and it guards people's minds. So many other rich themes in this carol that I don't have time to go into, but, you know, if you've been bombarded this year with uh, so many voices, uh, so many things, so many loud things, and the carol says this, no ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. There's so many things bombarding, loud, brash voices and sounds and things and agendas, and yet, The carol says, the dear Christ enters into meekness, to gentleness. He's not someone who smashes down the door of your life. He's the the someone who comes to the lives that will welcome him. It's the invisible that changes the visible. He is the, the one who brings, in his way, in his meekness, brings life and transformation from the inside out. We felt alone this year. This carol says, we hear the Christmas angel, the great glad tidings tell, come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. It shows us that isolation gets replaced by his presence, not just any presence, but God's presence, God himself. And we we need family, we need friends, that's what the church is, but, but it shows that Deeper than all of that and underneath all of that, there is the presence of God, O Lord Emmanuel, which means God with us. Sounds and resounds from this carol. So next time you come across joy to the world and heart the herald angels sing, bullying poor little, O little town of Bethlehem, you stand up and say, listen, you guys, you might be great for the end of a carol service, but little town of Bethlehem, he's got something about him. He contains some life-changing truths that significant things in God often come from the insignificant, that the light of Christ is breaking in to every 
darkness, that peace is available in the turmoil, that the transforming presence of Christ comes in meekness to every heart that will welcome him in. I hope these messages bring you some hope and some strength and some comfort in this season. Be blessed and I hope you enjoy a Christmas where these timeless truths in a world that's constantly changing remain true forever. Thanks so much for listening.